miss us, kids? Yeah. We're gonna fight and die for Uncle Sam. You won't want your chewing gum ration then. Can I have it? <laughs> Time has come for us to go goodbye, farewell. We really must be up. Goodbye, good luck. We'll see you later, cheerio. Goodbye, farewell. Adieu and adios. You've been so kind. We've had such a good time. You've been so very welcoming. Sorry, kids. We gotta go. Don't get killed, will ya? <laughs> Goodbye. See you all. Bye now. And these smiling gentlemen, who came from God knows what hells in southern segregated USA, who let us pat and pull their hair, rub them to see if it came off, examine their pink palms, marvel at their very existence, were gone, just as suddenly as they had appeared, to be replaced by other Yanks, white ones, no less friendly, no less generous, but with not a tenth of the exotic appeal of their comrades. Evening, Rose. Evening, Jack. Elsie's pregnant. There's a surprise. Three months gone. Who knows? Miss Polmana. Everybody, then? I wonder if Elsie knows who the father is. If you eat a tin of baked beans, how do you know which one made you fart? <laughs> Auntie Rose, Auntie Rose! Calm down, boy, what's up? Elsie's crying. She'll do a lot more of that. She says she's... Have I got to marry her? What? I kissed her. Am I the father? <laughs> Don't be silly, boy. But I am. I love her. Go on out and play. She told me she loves me. It isn't what she said to you that matters. It's what she did with someone else.
Aren't you coming to the Silver Voice competition? Jack and me are singing. Go on. Go to your stupid singing. Cool, Elsie. Your stomach's enormous. They're going to send me away. Oh, no. To a home, they said, where I'll be looked after, they said. I'll look after you, Elsie. I love you. This home's full of girls what have had babies from soldiers. They'll all be adopted. Wim fallen women, somebody said in the village. You can come here, Elsie, to a hut. We can live here together. Don't be simple. Terry, come on. We'll be late. I've got to go. Please come, Elsie, and hear us sing. It's kicking. I hope her as a yank. They was best. I have long since been an atheist myself, but I remain grateful and glad that I have a Church of England background. It gave me so much, not only musically, but in the English language, architecture and other cultural spin-offs. I doubt if I would feel the same if I had met it a century or more earlier, when it still held real sway over people's minds and lives, but I seem to have met it at just the right moment in its decline. In spite of all the sexual inhibitions and guilt that it left me with, I remain indebted to my Church of England background that has brought me so many unexpected riches. Our national religion was all around us in those days, at school, in our language, on the wireless, in our national consciousness, in a way that it is no longer. It gave us boundaries and shape to our view of the world, and it was Auntie Rose who set us on the road by insisting that we went to church and Sunday school, and Uncle Jack who made us listen to the beauty, both musical and verbal, the best of religions, full of glory and utterly ineffectual. This is a happy occasion that brings us here together this evening, the 1943 East Cornwall Silver Voice Competition, in which we will try to decide which of our children has been blessed with the voice that will win this splendid trophy, plus five shillings worth of national saving stamps. But first, let us pray. Dear Lord, the villagers of Dobwalls and Double Boys has been through so Feeling nervous, boys? Yes. A bit. Oh, that's good. You take good, big breaths. 
You'll see them all off. Yeah, boy. Put your tie straight and pull that sock up. That's right. You both look a pair now. Elsie, you came. Move up, can you? There's no room. Thought of disconsent. And bless all our troops, wherever they may be. Amen. Amen. Come in here, Elsie, by me. Cool. Enough crowded, innit? Our first contestant this evening is Jory Trembath from St. Pinnock. Jory is going to sing Jerusalem. <clears throat> Mr. Buckroyd? Uh, Mr. Buckroyd? Yes, Miss Paul Manor? Uh, in view of the fact that most of the children for five miles round are here this evening, I wonder if you fully approve of the congregation. I don't think I understand, Miss Polman. This is a children's occasion. We should be protecting them from corruption, from lewdness. Oh, no. While our menfolk are away fighting God's holy war, we womenfolk should be setting an example, not pointing the way down the primrose path to damnation. I think you all know to whom I refer. I'm sorry, Mr. Buckroyd. I am. Honest. I only came to hear the boys sing. I'll go. I... You bloody sit down and don't move. I saw her. She slipped in while we were all at prayer. Please, Miss Palmanor, I'm sure there's no need. And what's she supposed to have done, eh, Mrs.? Jack, don't make a scene. Sinned. As well you know, Mr. Phillips. Sinned again and again. I can't control her. Please, please, this is a house of God. Durst we not mention sin in the house of God now, Vicar? Miss Palmanor, I'm surprised and disappointed. Elsie may have... Let her, that is without sin, cast the first stone. I was about to use those very words, Mr Phillips. Then what's all this transgressing? She did what come natural. I intended no censure. Then why not, Vicar? And if anyone should leave this house, you should order her out. I am not ordering anyone out. For the sin of envy. We all know she'd like to have been in this state years ago. Only no one touch her, bloody dried up old haybag. Mr. Phillips, that is not Christian. Well, I'm not one of them, thank God. Gross, boys, let's breathe some clean air outside, shall we? Elsie, you want to walk home with us, is it? Silver voice. Never mind that. Come on. Miss Pogman. East Cornwall never did get its silver voice for 1943. I must say, no matter what I thought of Miss Polmanor, she had guts and the conviction of her beliefs. She had reported Elsie to the authorities, sparking the decision to have her sent away to a home. But she hadn't kicked her out. That would have been unchristian. And now, she was prepared to stand up in public and make a fuss about Elsie attending the gathering when she should have been invisible at home. The voice of propriety, the voice of conformity, may be a minority voice, but it holds sway. We soon discovered that it had a strength that went far beyond the outbursts of frustrated old maids when Mr. Davenport, the schoolmaster, and Mr. Yarnscombe, the billeting officer, came and went one day. They missed Uncle Jack, which was just as well. The old matter's out of my hands, Auntie Rose. And it's out of the school's hands too. Complaints have been made, and as billeting officer for the village, 
Mr. Janscombe is responsible for the evacuee's moral well-being. Elsie is pregnant. Miss Polmana can't keep her any longer, so she must go to a home to have a baby as soon as matters can be arranged. A home? One of those prisons, you mean, where they put those poor girls? She'll be well taken care of, Annie Rose. And her baby given away to God knows who. The baby will be given a good home, better than Elsie could give it. How do you know how good a home Elsie will give it? In the meantime, Terry must not associate with Elsie anymore. What? That is an order. Here is the letter. We must obey it. It's for his moral welfare. She's a bad influence and you know, Mrs Phillips, Terry could be taken away too, from you and Mr Phillips. They have the power. I'm sorry, but there it is. Terry? Taken from us? For his moral... What kind of insanity is this? Goodbye, Mrs Phillips. I'm sorry, Auntie Rose, I'm truly sorry, but there's a war on. All these vackies are without their parents. There have to be rules for the children's moral... Yes? Well, well, for their... Um, goodbye. Moral well-being. Moral well-being. I've never heard such hypocrisy. Read the letter. Terry mustn't associate with Elsie. Associate with her? What are they, a branch meeting of the union? Terry still plays with Elsie. He's 11 and she's 16 now and she's a bad influence Oh, God, God! Can't you save us all from the clutches of the bloody righteous ones? The sooner they all join you in heaven and leave us down here in peace, the better. There's one big Hitler over there, a thousands of little Hitlers over here. Meddlesome busybodies with their bloody virtue! Terry! Terry! Oh, no. Hey, boy, stop. Oh, what's up? I haven't seen you at choir practice lately. Not coming now? I see. Well, give Mr. and Mrs. Phillips my regards, won't you? I hate you! What? They're taking Jack and me away. Who is? Your parents? No, you, the Holy Ones, and they're taking Elsie away. What the devil are you talking about? See? You swear too. The Reverend Buckroyd took a swift hand in our affairs. A phone call from him to Deadford Police Station sent a constable to call on Mum and Dad, frightening the life out of them into the bargain. A return phone call from Dad soon settled where we should stay. But Buckroyd couldn't wave his hand over Elsie. Miss Polmana wouldn't have a newborn, illegitimate baby, and that was that. Elsie's father was a prisoner of the Japanese. Her mother was nowhere to be found. Whether through enemy action or allied attraction, I don't know. And so Elsie was bound for a home. Homes for unmarried mothers appeared all over the country during the war and, alongside the trivia of our lives, great events were taking place in the world. North Africa was taken from Rommel. The Russians were turning defeat into triumph. I am at last happy to report that British and American forces under the command of General Montgomery and General Eisenhower have landed on the island of Sicily. 
the invasion of the soft underbelly of Europe has begun. Auntie Rose, Auntie Rose! The letter's come about my scholarship. Look, it says London County Council Education Committee. Well, open it, boy. Let's see. There's a telegram, too. Telegram? What's it say on it? Just says Telegram War Office. Where are my glasses? Oh, Jew. Open it, boy. The telegram. Open it. Read it. No, bring it here. You mustn't. No. Read it. I, I can't. The War Office. Whitehall. London SW1. 2.35pm. 14th of July, 1943. We regret to inform you that your son Gwyn has been... Uh, oh. Does it say it, boy? Does it say it? Does it? Say it doesn't. Come here, boy. Put your arms round me. Hold me for a minute. Oh, Gwyn. Oh, Gwyn, my little... I was always afraid for you. Oh, Gwyn, Gwyn, Gwyn. Should I go and tell Uncle Jack? No. He'll be home in an hour. Time enough for his world to end then. So many things I will remember Those precious years we had together the sound of you is deep within me And in my heart will live forever Dear Mum and Dad Just a line to let you know that Auntie Rose and Uncle Jack's son Gwyn has been killed in Sicily Was there a day when you stopped singing? There may have been, and yet I doubt it. The sound of you is deep inside me. Now I must crying and Uncle Jack just goes to the bottom of the garden and sits there instead of going to work. Jack and me thought it'd be a good idea if only I come back to Deptford and he stays here 
and becomes Auntie Rose and Uncle Jack's son. Then you've both got one each. That's fair. I leave school soon, so I could work on the railway with Uncle Jack. I like it here, so it would be all right. Love, Jack and Terry. Kiss, kiss, kiss. No more today's, no more tomorrow's. The life you had was just beginning. The time we shared was only borrowed. But in sit with you, Uncle Jack. Yes, come here, boy. Time you had a haircut, is it? It's not that long. Little blondie. Anglo-Saxon. Gwyn was dark, like me. The Celt. The soft underbelly of Europe. The mud was soft in Flanders, too. Didn't save anybody. Remember, boy. Never, 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 never trust your leaders. Montgomery's a hero. Churchill's a hero. Gwyn is dead. And it's not just this war or the last. It's all history. Into the valley of death rode the 600. <laughs> Who sent them there, eh? Don't ever trust them, boy. Not any of them. Uncle Jack, Mr. Buckroyd's with Auntie Rose. He'd like to see you too. Oh, no, not the bloody vicar. They don't just kill you, they send someone to tell your next of kin it's all for the best. Good afternoon, Mr. Phillips. Uh, boys. Hello, sir. Hello, sir. I can't tell you, Mr. Phillips, how sorry. Then don't try, vicar. Mm. Yes. I suggested to your wife a memorial service. What does she say? She would like it. Yes, yes, she must have it. Don't worry, I'll behave myself. Yes, of course. Only, Vicar, nothing about souls in heaven, eh? Or eternal life, or any of that. A memorial service. Let's just remember him. I'll vet everything myself. I'm sure he died a hero, Mr. Phillips. Ah, you know. I've seen a few of them die. Ashes to ashes and mud to mud. Uh, you know, don't you, that I've stamped on those unfortunate objections to Terry playing with Elsie. Yes, I heard. Thank you. And I'm doing my best about Elsie's future. Yes, yes. Uh, you're a good man, Vicar, in spite of being a Christian. <laughs> Well, that'll be all. Oh, uh, and Vicar, I'll apologise to Miss Polmana when I see her. What? For calling her names, even though she asked for it. 
she's just another casualty like all of us. A million men didn't come home from the first war. My war. That left a million spare women. She was engaged, wasn't she, to a corporal in the Duke of Cornwall's Light Infantry? Killed at Passchendaele? That's right. Whole generation of women. Leftover women. We even invented a name for them. A music hall joke. Maiden aunts. A lot of them got a bad attack of God. I suppose it's better than emptiness. She didn't want to be a dried up old hay bag. She just found out one day that's what she is. It must hurt her more than it does all of us. You're a good man, Mr. Phillips. In spite of being an atheist. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye, boys. Goodbye, Goodbye Mr. Buckroyd. I like it, your boys. Look at the wind on that cornfield. And the valley. And the compost heaper there to remind us what we're coming to. And the railway. That's good. Yes. Let's have a service here for Gwyn. You and me, eh? An Anglo-Celtic service. You know that song you learned last week? Barbara Allen? Yes. Sing it, both of you. Go straight to the third verse. That's suitable. And death is printed on his face And oh, his heart is stealing The pain of love he bravely bore So far beyond the healing He turned his face toward the forgotten part of England has been a cage to me. I want to see the world. I want to get away. I would love somebody to love me. So every night I To be a GI bride, I want to travel far and wide. We'll live without a care, the folk will stop and stare. I want to be a GI bride, I want to wed a swell GI. I want to kiss this place goodbye. We'll be so glamorous and oh so amorous. I want to be a GI bride. He'll say, gee whiz, have slicked back hair, he'll buy me fancy underwear we'll dance the jitterbug and do the Susie Q we'll have a big white house and some children too I want to be a GI bride before you know we'll be stateside we'll 
as we spend all our cash, I want to be a GI bride. a letter here from your mother. So have we. You don't want to go home, is it? It's not that. Whose idea was it for you to stay here then? We thought it together. We were going to toss for it, but Jack said I've got to go back to the grammar school. Did he now? Come here, both of you. Let me give you a hug. <laughs> You're a pair, aren't you? I thought so when I first set eyes on you. Ah, uh, don't hug me that tight. It hurts. But you see, boys, you can't stay with us. We must have your room at once. Oh, don't look so pained. Guess who's going up there? Soldiers. Elsie. We're going to have Elsie and a little one. Elsie? Elsie's going to live here. And she better move in quick, or they'll be shunting her off to that home, that workhouse place. That's fit for nobody. Certainly not Elsie and her baby, eh? Can I go and tell her? She knows, silly. Well, can I go and tell her that I know too? Elsie, Elsie! Watch out, boy! You'll break Elsie, something! Elsie. A week later, Jack and I lay in terror on our mattress on the hall floor. We were top and tailed again, listening while Elsie, up in my room, gave me another lesson on the facts of life. No excuse for me to disbelieve any longer what went where, or to puzzle how a baby came out of there. Jack and I crept fearfully into the kitchen, and there was Uncle Jack, with a glass and a bottle in his hand. Hello, boys. 
Too much of a racket to go to sleep, is it? She always was a noisy girl. <laughs> Now's her chance. Is Elsie all right? Oh, right as rain. Yeah, Jack, have a sip of this. I've been saving it. Drink the baby's health. Say good health and long life to you. Is this a boy or a girl? <laughs> a boy. Pretty little thing. As brown as a milky cup of coffee. Can I go and see? Yes, go on, go up. Rose is with her. I've never had whiskey before. Now, go on, just try a little sip. <coughs> Very strong. <laughs> I'll have to learn some Negro spirituals to teach him for the Silver Voice competition. Ah, he'll do a lot for Rose being here. <laughs> the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, as the bloody vicar would say. Look, Jack. Ooh, isn't he beautiful? Oh, Auntie Rose and Uncle Jack. Uncle Jack and Auntie Rose. Ten shillings a week per vacky was the official allowance, and in return they had given themselves without stint. Was there ever such a bargain? Yes. They were about to give Elsie the same for nothing. They were without guile and without self-interest. The salt of the earth is the saying, and if ever the earth needed salting, Auntie Rose and Uncle Jack were there to do it. A few days later, on Double Boy Station, we boarded the Cornish Riviera for Paddington. I was ten and a half when my other childhood ended. The village turned out to see the last of the vackies off, vackies who had become their children, because it was only the happy ones who had stayed this long. The station was crowded, but all I could see were Elsie and her baby, and Auntie Rose and Uncle Jack. Goodbye, Jack. Goodbye, Terry. Give our respects to your mum and dad. Right soon. Oh, we'll miss you, boys. Goodbye, Auntie Rose. Goodbye, Goodbye Auntie Rose. Uncle goodbye, Uncle Jack. Bye, Terry. See you in London one day. Say goodbye, Louis. Bye, boys. Look after your... Uh, you be... Uh... Oh, now don't cry, Jack, for God's sake. They start me off. Just remember what I said, boys. Two things. Don't ever forget. It's not fair. And don't be late. All stations to London. All aboard. Just remember these two things, boys. It's not fair, and don't be late. Plenty of time for living your life that hole in the ground can wait. Just remember, you remember when you're old and Sad to say goodbye to the home we loved. Just like us, you were soon to find good friends beside you to help and guide you. Just remember, we'll remember how we 
Come for you to say goodbye Farewell, you've got a train to catch
This is on a postcard was written by Terence Frisby and adapted, directed, and produced by Dominic Frisby, with music by Martin Wheatley, Gordon Clyde, and others, and lyrics by Dominic Frisby, Gordon Clyde, and others. Arranged and conducted by Martin Wheatley, except for Got Any Gum Chum and I Want to Be a GI Bride, which were conducted by Lola Frisby Williams. With children's casting and co-direction by Jeremy James Taylor. It starred Brandon McGuinness as Terry and Frankie Joel Cialone as Jack, John Owen Jones as Uncle Jack and Katie Seacombe as Auntie Rose. Mum was played by Rosie Cavaliero and sung by Louise Cookman. Gwyn was Ian Virgo, Elsie Evelyn Hoskins, Reverend Buckroyd, James Clyde, Mr Yarnscombe, Peter Temple, Granny Peters, Marcia Warren. And Miss Paul Manor was played by Rosie Cavaliero. With a special mention for Daisy Mortimer, who sang on just about every song as well as the solos in Skin and Bone and England's Bells. Other cast members and singers include, in alphabetical order, Sherry Baines, Henrietta Bess, Lindsay Danvers, Rupert Degas as Churchill and Lord Haw Haw, Ginny Fiol, Valerie Gogan, Paul Jones, Jonathan Kidd, Helen Langford, Trevor Locke, who played Mr Davenport, Aideen McQueen, Kathy Murphy, Matt Price, who played Dick Blodgett and Farmer Bodrain, Simon Thomas, who sang the solo in Come All Ye Jolly Tinner Boys. Danny Ward, Mary Woodvine. The American GIs were played by Lance Ellington, Cordell Mosteller, Micah Touche, and Dennis Caldwell. The kids were played by Safin Shake, who sang the solo in There's a War On and the Descant in Ye Holy Angels Bright, Alex Braglovich as Frank Emmett, Harlan Price Lewis as Sam Finch, and Rudyard Bragist, Isabella Bucknell, Lola Byrne, Lola Frisbee Williams, Ferdy Frisbee Williams, Arthur Hastings, Molly Hedges, Poppy Jestico, Henry Little, Edward Planch, Sophia Rega, Leo Ruiz, Astrid Sharrock, Sasha Whitehead, Peggy May Will, and in the role of Teddy Willis, Albie Ahmed. The sound engineers were Ross Berman, Wayne McIntyre, Rue Lemer, Malcolm Thorpe, Dan Hayden, Lewis Blair, and Freddie Light. The Cornish script advisor was Natalie Whiteite. The musicians were Lola Frisbee Williams and Mark Alloway on clarinet, Colin Good on piano, Paul Moylan on bass, Kit Massey, Darius Thompson, and Ruth Elder on violin, Natalie Rosario on cello. Una Palliser on viola, Nicholas Ball on percussion, Alan Berlin and Lewis Taylor on trumpet, Andy Flaxman on trombone, and Kyle Horch and Michael McQuaid on sax. With special thanks to David Grant and Glenthorne High School, Patch McQuaid, Simon Page aka Goat, Trevor Horward, John Marr, Andy Dimitriou, Jake Beaumont-Nesbitt, and Gareth Price-Lewis of Chatterbox. Kisses on a Postcard was recorded at Abbey Road, Craxton Hall, ID Audio, Temple Music Studios, and in Dominic's house. All rights are reserved. Please contact Dominic Frisbee for more information. And if you liked it, please tell your friends.